This is important information. Ready, set, and begin. Who better to talk about the inaugural season of MLS in the Twin Cities than the head coach of your hometown United? Now, courtesy of Heineken, this is the Adrian Heath Show. Lovely ball in. Ramirez, it's in! The Adrian Heath Show. It's that boy again! It's always him! Hosted by former player and now Loon's sideline reporter, Jamie Watson. Check this out! Welcome in, everyone, to the very first Adrian Heath Show. I am your host, Jamie Watson, and I am very, very pleased to be joined by the man himself, but we will get to him in a second. Who am I? Well, I'm glad you asked. I am your current sideline reporter for Minnesota United on the TV game day broadcast. You can hear simulcasted live every game here on 1500 ESPN. Coming off of a 12-year career, which saw some time in MLS, time in USL, and most recently with Minnesota United. My last three years of my career was spent here. Now I'm a happy resident of Minnesota. I'm not leaving. I love it here. Never thought I would have said that when I first got here. Um, My wife and I and two boys, we are proud Minnesotans. Two boys that are Minnesotans, actually. And uh, let's get to the man himself. The man who this show is named after, the man I called coach for five years of my career. Seems a lot longer. Yeah, it it definitely did seem a lot longer than that. And uh, Mm -hmm. without further ado... Adrian Heath, everybody. Thank you for joining us in the uh, Adrian Heath Show and being a part of this. This is a massive deal to have you on this, and I'm sure everyone in the Twin Cities and listening online at 1500ESPN.com is very excited to have you. Welcome in. Well, good. I'm pleased to be here. It's, uh, you know, I've done this a few times now. We had a show in Orlando. We had one in Austin, so here we are in Minnesota. Let's hope we can have as enjoyable time for an hour as we did uh, in the previous places. I'm well, sure we will. Well, I'm sure the, the listeners will get very used to our relationship. It's uh, it's one where one is the punching bag and one is the puncher. Um, you can probably take a guess. I did a lot of boxing yeah. as a kid, yeah. I, t- I, d- I took a lot of punches <laughs> and stuffed in lockers out of a kid, so I'm pretty good at this. So, Adrian Heath, a little bit about you in case the good listeners mm. at home do not know. You played for some incredible teams in your career. Stoke... Everton, a little venture off to Spain, Espanol, mm-hmm. Aston Villa, Man City, Sheffield, United, and ended your career with Burnley. Those were all some pretty good teams that you played for back in your day. Yeah. I uh, obviously starting at Stoke, that was the big one for me. I was the, the local kid who, who lived the dream. I used to go and watch Stoke, season ticket holder from the age of four with my dad and my grandparents. And then I had the, the great fortune of signing there at the age of 12 and at 17 making my debut. So uh, that incredible memories of that time. Obviously, you know, we, we all know everybody's so close to the grandparents and I was no different. Loved my grandfather's pair of them. And um, one of the greatest thrills of my life was seeing them as excited as they were when they saw me play in the red and white stripes of Stoke City. Well, one of my favorite memories in my career, and this is part of the, this is going to be my favorite part of the show is, there's going to be a lot of stories because we've known each other for so long and done so many fun things throughout the years. There's going to be times where, like that, for instance, we start talking about Stoke and then it, it sparks a memory of of a time we actually got a chance to go to Stoke. I believe it was in 2009. Mm-hmm. We went on a tour with England when we were you were managing Austin Aztecs, one of the other teams you've managed along with Burnley, 
Sheffield, Coventry, the Austin Aztecs, where we first crossed paths the first time that you came to America, Orlando City, both in the USL and in MLS, and now the head coach of Minnesota United. But when we went in Austin, it was one of the coolest experiences and one of the worst experiences I've ever had at a soccer game. And I'll tell you why. It was awesome to see just how, this is 2009, and you played for Stoke, what years? I Well, I joined there when I was so 12, 13 years of age. And Do you I want to date what, yourself? Uh, well, yeah, I was pretty old in them days. <laughs> pretty young in them days. So what year would that be? I probably signed for the club in 75, 74. When you're 12, do you even know how to sign your own name? No, it's one of them things. It, I, I had the opportunity. I know this sounds crazy for people probably listening. That I had a chance to sign for two or three other professional clubs even at that age. But I, there was never any danger I was going to go anywhere else. You know, I was a pretty good kid, uh, player as a kid and had the opportunity of going to Aston Villa, which were a, a bigger club, still a bigger club than Stoke, even though they're in the in the uh, championship now. So I had the chance of going there in Derby County with them managed by the great Brian Clough and all that. So, But I was never going to go anywhere else. The, the thought of playing for Stoke City in Stoke, the team that I'd supported as a boy, was, was never going to change that. So you were coveted at 12, which... Today's age sounds crazy, but yeah. still, I, I would love to see that autograph you put on the uh, the contract that you signed because I can only imagine it was probably chicken scratch. That's the equivalent of my one-and-a-half-year-old now, but uh, amazing. But back to the story. Okay. We're at Stoke. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a Tuesday night in Stoke, which is not a very favorable night. It's never quite nice in Stoke. And, and it's an overcast. That, oh, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is the <laughs> definition of hardworking uh, miners, uh, hard workers, roll their sleeve, Steel Town, the yeah. best way to put it. And uh, we get to the stadium, and we're so excited as the team to be there. And the first person stops us, and, and it's uh, an older gentleman, and he, you know, he's got his grandson with him, much like yourself with your granddad. And he goes, this is, this is Adrian Heath. This is Enchi. Enchi is yeah. his nickname for, for Adrian yeah. Heath, if you don't know. Um, and he's like, you got to take a picture. And this guy's a legend of the club. Mm-hmm. And you could see all 20 of us on the team. Our eyes light up and go like, wow, this is yeah. cool. Like all these stories that he used to tell us actually aren't made up. They're real. <laughs> and uh, then we go about five feet further. And then the next person stops and says, Inchi, Inchi, I remember yeah. this game. Can yeah. we take a picture with you? And and then we, we get about seven feet further. And yeah. the next person stops. Mind you, it took us about 45 minutes to get from the parking lot mm-hmm. to the stadium because you were busy signing autographs and meeting everybody and and it was about the most annoying thing I think I've ever done. So And that was probably what, thirty odd years later, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Thirty years yeah, later, yeah, it was yeah. still like that. So it is really cool that you have been able to come over and it's now very similar as we were just in the studio with Kyle, one of the interns here, assistant interns here. We walk by and he's like Adrian, I'm a big fan. Can I take a picture of you? So as much as time changes, things stay the same and uh you know, this this show is, is pretty More to cool. to the power of the sport, though. Well, but that, I also that think... Sh- that shows you the popularity of this game. And, and you I being think, a good ambassador for it. Well, I, I've always loved the game, and I've always treated it with the respect that it's deserved because it's given me a living. I always say, 40 years on, I'm still getting a living, and they've still not found me out. Seriously, you get paid to do this. It's yeah, the, exactly. It's the biggest, best, quote-unquote, job. Don't tell Bill McGuire, but I would do it for nothing. You Although and me he both. probably think he's getting away with it now anyway. <laughs> We uh, we are definitely lucky to get to do this, and, and it's, like you've said, getting to do these shows before, this is kind of what we really want this show to be about. We want people listening to feel as though if they hear a story that sparks a story that they know of or, or something that they want, 
Always feel free. Adrian's not much of a social media guy, so I will do twice as much social media to pick mm. up for him. You can always reach out on Twitter. Um, we have Facebook, Instagram, everything, because this is what the show is going to be about, and we're going to talk about these stories from the past. We're going to talk about uh, stories from current day. We're going to yep. get back into the the week that was. Um, there was just three games that Minnesota United played. Uh, I thought a very good week. Um, and as we talked about on the Minnesota United post game show, I thought it went better. And then that was the first time I think I'd ever uh, asked a question certain that you were going to say one answer and then you went the other way. Mm. But let's go to break. Yep. When we come back, we're going to talk about the week that was. And then I think we're going to have a really cool segment where we are going to give what I like to call a state of the union where we kind of need to just kind of recollect from where things are now, from where they started. Uh huh when you first joined back in late November. So stick around. More to come on the Adrian Heath Show. I'm Jamie Watson. That's Adrian Heath. This is the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more of the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. Presented by Heineken. Heineken. Welcome back in to the Adrian Heath Show. I am your host, Jamie Watson. Adrian, you're a bit of a, a music guy, you know? I was just going to say, do you know who that is? The intro music. I know who that is, Go but on. I want to know who if you, you know, know who that is. Go on. That's Well, the thing is, there's been a couple different versions of that song. This one? Yeah. Go on, then. It's obviously Life Life is a Highway. Okay. Which, But who is this singing it, though? I don't know. Who is it? See, I've, I've listened to the, the... I have kids now. So oh, Cars dude. did a remake of this. And it was Rascal Flats. Okay. So for me, that's probably what I know it from, actually. Your kids are way too old to be yeah, watching yeah. that. If you're watching Cars, Adrian, we're gonna have. You're way more interesting than that. My life's boring <laughs> as a as a new dad. That's all I watch anymore. Those movies. But, anyways, where were we? We had left off last segment mm. talking about this week that was. We had three games this last week. It was yeah. quite a week. We started off Real Salt Lake last mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh huh. Then we had Portland at home on Wednesday, culminating in Vancouver at home. Um, what were your thoughts on the weekend? Obviously, let's let's go back to Salt Lake. It was a, a 1-0 result that was very close up until the end. Bobby Shuttleworth had a set a team record for saves in a game with eight. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're early on, but I think that it was probably it might be the highest total in the the league so far this year and may hold up because it was a stellar performance by him. It was strange because when you consider the score was one nil. And we've had a couple of heavy defeats. I always thought we were in the game, and I know that sounds. They kept having opportunities, and Bobby kept coming up with saves. And I kept looking at the bench, thinking, if Bobby keeps performing like this, we might get out of jail here. We might actually hang on. And and then for Bobby to make the mistake like he did was uh, it was pretty cruel on him, really, because he didn't deserve that, having had the evening that he had. So I was disappointed, but. I thought there was little signs on on being on the road. The first 25 minutes where we looked a little bit more like ourselves. Well, obviously that sets us up then for the home game with a little bit of more pressure, added pressure on us. Certainly, against a, a very good Portland Timbers team. Second yeah. second place in the West at the time. And arguably three or four of the best attacking pieces in the league. Oh, Fernando, without a doubt. Fernando Addy gives you that 6-4 athleticism aerial threat and just sheer size then you've got the guile and the craft and of Valeri then you've got the bit of everything from Nagby and Blanco who they've just spent I don't know 8 million on bringing into the to the country so that front four 
with Chara and Guzman behind them. I knew it was going to be a difficult night for us. But I honestly, I thought before the game, I, I said after my press conference that I, I just sensed in the dressing room that the, the guys were up for it and um, it didn't surprise me that we won the game. So that set us up lovely then for the next one. You know, and that, Vancouver yeah. on the back end of the three games in that week. And yeah. And it didn't exactly start out the best in the first half. Almost almost the exact opposite from the way the Portland came out because you could tell right off the bat in Portland it was it was literally firing on all cylinders. And then in Vancouver it seemed you said to me you were disappointed because it seemed a bit flat and didn't have the life to it that, that the game had from your squad Wednesday night. Well, I thought our combination play was was decent. I thought that we connected quite a lot of passes in the middle third. But you have to play with a purpose. You know, if people talk about possession. Nobody wants to possess the ball more than I do. I still think it's the best form of attack and defense as being in possession of the ball. Which is like the least English thing mentality that yeah. you could have. It's the exact opposite of everything you probably ever knew growing up. But <laughs> Exactly. You know, it was the old get it forward as quickly as possible right. and let's work from there. But I've never enjoyed playing it. Even when I was in England playing that type of football, I didn't enjoy. I had about two years of my career in England at Manchester City. Loved the club, hated the football I was sitting in at that particular time. It was the day when Wimbledon were coming through the leagues and doing particularly well. And it was like, I remember one game where both linesmen had the flag up at the same time. <laughs> so that gives you an idea. That Sounds about right. Both teams were compressed on the halfway line and both linesmen had the flag up at the same time. Sounds so, like some of the MLS refereeing. So going back to the Vancouver game. Having possession, possession's all well and good if you have a purpose in what you're trying to do. And, and I always say to the players, what's the purpose of the game? is to get the ball from one end of the field to the other consistently well, doing what you try and make. A, you have a plan. Can we stick to the plan? But ultimately, we have to work the penalty area. You have to put men in the box. You have to cross the ball in the box. You have to pass the ball to people in the box. And I just didn't think we took enough opportunities to do that. Until the second Off-time. half started. Well, we had a few words at half time, and you. Oh God, I've been, been on the end of some of those few words in my career. Yeah, you've you've been on the back end of a few. And we want to, we want to have a second episode, so please do not repeat <laughs> exactly word for word from that. But uh, yeah, so obviously you, you sparked a little something to the guys at halftime. It yeah, seemed to we, work. Yeah, we got we got into one or two, and and we got a response. But the the goal to start with from Francisco Calvo, which is something I don't recommend when he gets the ball and plays a one two, and then thinks. I think I'll go in the box and score as well. We've got which... a piece set up for uh, for Thursday night's game that I'm going to be doing in the opening segment on uh, on my 29, where we're going to break down that goal. Yeah. And my first instinct when I saw it on video as the replay was thinking, one, how in the world is Francisco Cavill here? And two, I can only imagine Adrian screaming, Francisco, what are you doing? Where are you going? Great goal, goal Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of them. It was a good job. It had an happy ending, shall we yeah. say, because... Uh, but, it, you know, it was... And then that sparked us off and got us going and, and the crowd got back into the game. And, um, it, you know, in the end, I was disappointed that we didn't win the game because we had 74% possession during the night. Which is a crazy number in soccer. I, I've I've certainly, in all my time in football, I've never been in a game where one team's had 74 possession. So for us to have had that much possession, a little bit disappointed that we didn't take anything from it. The plus, the posit, uh, positive, and the plus for me is, it's against a team that's another team that spent an awful lot of money getting DPS on the field, and we're now starting to be able to compete with these people, which is, uh, which is no mean feat from where we've come from. Certainly, and it was, uh, I, I, I worded it to you after the game. 
I thought, perspective-wise, out of the two home games when you played Portland and Vancouver back-to-back on a Wednesday and Saturday, you know, four out of six points, are you pleased with it? And your response actually took me a bit off guard. I I thought I knew what the answer was going to be going into it, but you went the other way. I I thought it was good, and your response to that question was you weren't happy with that. No, but only because we'd won the first game, and I knew that we'd let two points slip because we were by far the better team on the evening. I, I I can't think of any aspect of the game that they were better than us at. And I, you know, when that's not very often that happens, that I thought we were better in all departments. So that was disappointing. And I thought we we left two points out there. And um, you know, as well, you've worked with me for a few years, you know that I, I always talk about level of expectancy and level of performance from us. We know what we are capable of. And sometimes the results vary from that. But I know that invariably, if we play the way that I want us to play, with the intensity that we did in the second half, that will be enough to get us a re- get us a result, and it didn't. And on uh, on Wednesday, yeah. Well, I think uh, Saturday, yeah, think. Wednesday got the result you wanted. Oh, yeah, Saturday, yeah. see, they're all running together, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's 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 great analysis, and I think that's what people enjoy hearing from you because I can swear by it, having been in it, and I think that any player that's ever played for you vouches for it. But yeah. to hear from you is interesting, and and that's kind of a glimpse of what. You can expect on the Adrian Heath show if you're just now joining us. Adrian Heath, Jamie Watson here, your host. The Adrian Heath show. We uh, we're breaking down everything Minnesota United. Um, that was the last week that was within Minnesota United. But I talked about it last segment. We're going to talk about it here. And here's here's what I'm thinking. And we're up against a break here, so I don't want to start this and do it injustice because I think that this is a very good picture that we are going to try to paint which is the last i don't know eight months of uh-huh. minnesota united and basically your time here i'd like to give a little state of the union when we come back from break and what i mean by that is i want to know from day one i don't know we're well past your first hundred days here we won't even get into any of that but we're uh-huh. your first eight months how it's kind of taken shape how it's gone about and i think that this is going to be a really interesting listen so stick around when we come back to the Adrian Heath Show, we are going to give an update of the last eight months that has been in Minnesota United and Adrian Heath's time right here on the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. The Adrian Heath Show is back on 1500 ESPN, presented by Heineken. Once again, here's Jamie Watson. Welcome back in to the Adrian Heath Show. Do you know who that is playing there, Adrian? No. Who old for that? Well. Oh, hang on. There we go, Manny. Give us a little bit of sound here. I think it, he's about 10 seconds away from forgetting this. <laughs> no? You don't have it, huh? No. Manny, our producer, Manny Hill. Who's this we got for Adrian? This is the first time we've stumped Adrian. You know what? I'll tell you the truth. I'm going to have to have a little conversation with our program director, Brad Lane, because he just labeled this because he's got this all in rotation right, right now. So it's not labeled. So I couldn't even tell you who this is right now. Brad Lane. Oh, so it's a quiz that nobody knows the answer to. Manny, here's what we need to do. I can Next get the time sound, he doesn't I know the answer. I can get the, the sound hound on my phone, though. And see. Lie. Just make yeah, up yeah. a name. Manny, you should have made something up there because I'm not having Watson beating me at quizzes. Adrian, a little bit of fun fact about Adrian is this guy is a human Shazam. He will tell you every song. So... It's not very often, Manny, that we will ever stump him. We need to have a game yeah. plan for when we do. You could have said, you could have looked around the could room and picked anything. anything. You could have said, uh, blue pencil, uh, 
Stan Musial bobblehead, and he would probably yeah. gone, yeah, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right, I knew that, I knew that. So, of course, those are the two first things I see laying around here in the ESPN studios. If you're just now joining us, welcome in. Uh, where were you the first two segments? You missed a great conversation with Adrian Heath. But I am your host, Jamie Watson. We are very happy to have you on 1500 AM here in the Twin Cities or online at 1500ESPN.com. I think it's time Go on. that we give a State of the Union for Minnesota United and Adrian Heath. Oh, very presidential. Very presidential indeed. Yeah. Feel like Winston Churchill in here. I feel like we should have given you the heads up to walk in with this plane over the loudspeaker so you could have given us your best presidential walk to come in here. Okay. So what I mean by State of the Union, I want to know from the day you signed, I believe it was November 29th. Uh-huh. I'm not even sure you can think back that far with everything no. that's gone on in the last eight months, but I'm thinking this is too good to be done in just tonight. So we may break this up over the next two two shows. Uh-huh. But I want to start tonight talking from day one mm-hmm. through the preseason, through the start of the season. And I want to know, first off, you were the coach of Orlando City as they made the jump to MLS with yeah. Orlando City. Had a good run, came to the end about midway through, I believe it was early July mm-hmm. in 2015. And then it was until... November 29th, 2016, where you signed on as the first MLS coach for Minnesota United. Very big deal. We're all very lucky to have you here. But with what you can share, how does that come about? How do you how do you get that first call where the, the call comes in and it's maybe a possibility and then you made a trip up here to meet yeah. with Dr. Bill McGuire, the owner, President Nick Rogers, Manny Lagos, sporting director, and just kind of all about that, and then as soon as they met with you, obviously things went very well, but let's hear from your perspective. How does that go down? Well, I think the first thing you have to say is that when I'd left Orlando, for me, there was a lot of unfinished business. You know, I, I, I've i made no secret of the fact that I thought I was very harshly treated from what where we were, what we were trying to build, and the plan that we got in place. So... There was no thought. I had opportunities to go home. That was first thing and first moment. I'm staying in the States and I'm going to prove that I can coach at this level. Everything from coaching to commentating, TV, TV yeah. work, everything. Yeah. And, and so. But you wanted to stay. I wanted to stay. I didn't want to go back home. And um, I've, I've loved, I've been, this is my 11th year. I've loved living in the States for the 11th year. Got a lot of time. Love the country. Love the people. Um, and I love what the the game of football soccer is doing in this country. I still think that we're at the tip of you know the tip of the iceberg here. There's so much more to come. I say it all the time the game's getting bigger, better, and stronger by the day. And um, I want to be a part of that. And obviously, the next time you're looking, you're thinking what jobs are going to be coming available. I knew Manny already from our days as you know with USL when Minnesota were there, and obviously uh, through. Through another, through an agent, we'd spoke briefly about what was going to happen with this job, and um, they kindly gave me, you know, an opportunity to meet the ownership group. I met with Nick and I met with uh, Dr. Bill McGuire, and then it went from there, really. But uh, the one thing that was very evident from the very beginning, from my point of view, is was I liked the people I was going to be working for and, put, and the people I was going to be working with, um, which is really important for me. And um, obviously, you know, we were. A little bit behind. It was no, you know, there's no point in saying that we were ahead of the curve because we weren't. We, 
you know, when I look at where we were in Orlando and where we were in Minnesota when I took over, we were a lot further down the road in, in Orlando. More preparation yeah. time yeah, leading up to starting MLS. And typical window was 12 to 18 months of a heads up, whereas here with Minnesota United, it was roughly six, seven months before you started that you got the official word you were going to be an MLS team. But I was in situ in all that time in Orlando, so... We were making plans maybe a year, a year and a half before we actually went to MLS, once we'd got the green light. And we, we knew that probably before it was announced. So we were starting to make plans a lot a lot further down the road than, than we were in in, uh, in Minnesota. And I think the other thing as well that we have to say is when I signed, we, we'd got two players signed, I think. Justin so, Davis and Kevin Venegas yeah. were the only two on the roster when you were named head coach. Yeah. So, so we, you had a team of two. Yeah. At December 1st, and the expansion draft is a couple weeks later after you're getting signed, uh, after you sign officially as that coach, you've got the college draft in early January, and yeah. preseason starts so then it was a the last week of January. So 23rd of January, we start in preseason. Didn't know how many players we were going to have, how many players we were going to take, and then we got expansion drafts. Which, now, by the way, I'd love to be able to dive into that. Yeah, well, if you look at the expansion draft, you know, Chris Duval, we, we took... And then that was part of the Johan Venegas deal. That turns into Johan yeah. Venegas. So, so you're people go, him. I'm surprised they took a fullback. Well, you know, a lot of things go on behind the scenes at that particular time. Colin Warner, obviously that was somebody that we knew had played and played consistently in the in the league. And then we took Mo, who, uh, Mohamed Saeed, who actually became a, a really important piece for us down the road because unfortunately we had to... You know, we had to give something up to get Sam Cronin and, and, and Mark Birch. And this was a big deal because this was a big trade that really shaped the first part of the season and really turned things around. Uh, I believe March 31st, it was the deal uh, sent Mohamed Saeed, who you yep. took third in the expansion draft, and Josh Gatt, yep. who you had signed in preseason, who um, was only here for a short period of time. And you traded them for Sam Cronin and Mark Birch, yeah. arguably two stalwarts on the team until Mark's recent injury, yeah, I mean, um, which you couldn't foresee at the time. But that, that Mohamed Saeed piece turns into half of the trade to get And as I said, sometimes you have to give something, Jamie, to get what you want. And Well, sure, nobody's going to make a deal that. Exactly. Let's I, give you two of my good players for two players that we don't that you don't think is very good. You I have think, to give up someone good. I think Mo's done great as well for them in the last few weeks. I spoke to the people over in Colorado. They're really pleased with Mo. And Josh Gatt's start, suddenly starting to get some minutes as well. So I think it turned out great for everybody. It worked out in the yeah. end. And which the, is the, the two pieces that we wanted was experience within the league and people who just come off a winning season where they brought that mentality with them, which is what Sam and Birchie did so you know as you say it's been a blow obviously Birchie going out the team but I think everybody can see what Sam and, and Birchie did for us so and then we took Jeff Antonella but that was part of the deal to to get the rights of Miguel Ibarra so fans here in Minnesota love your fourth pick because that Jeff Antonella pick was essentially Miguel Ibarra yes exactly you know because otherwise we they weren't going to stand out the way because they still had the, the rights for Miguel and then obviously the, the Femi Femi won the centre forward and I loved having Femi in the early parts because I like working with young forwards. But that eventually leads to the Bobby Shuttleworth deal, which was, which has been terrific for us. Bobby's been great for us since he got here. So, you know, you look back at the very, very beginning with like them five picks and somewhere along the line, they've all helped us in the last few weeks. So, you know, we, we, we did okay out of that, really. Which is pretty remarkable when you look at that list and what that list parlays into and I think this is part of the interesting stuff and and I don't want to give away all the the trade secrets but you know some of that 
is premeditated knowing going in who you're picking yeah. that they you know won't even probably step foot in town i, I saw jeff at because he's now playing for portland he actually yeah. played for portland the other night when they came here and i remember asking him the the seven days you were on the team uh did you even make it to minnesota and he said nope i was in tampa the whole time yeah exactly. so he uh you know it, it's it's strange how it works out but i think that there's more that goes into those sort of deals and but i think that the, the interesting thing is that that the five players we picked were we get, we ended up getting value at some it might not have been immediately but we got value for them down the road at some stage which which is important by the end of march which yeah, you i think you, exactly. you when you evaluate these things and and you go through and by the way if you're just listening uh adrian heath jamie watson uh adrian heath coach minnesota united um when you're evaluating expansion drafts they can't be evaluated you know, an hour after it's done, it it sometimes is a month later, it's six months later, it's a year later, and I think you can already tell by the end of March, you know, yeah. and I think less also, than a month into the Jamie, season. If, if you look at this as well, we, we have to look at the fact is that we were still bringing in maybe another 15, 16 players plus this group. You were halfway to a starting 11 after exactly. this and, and exactly. the two players so, before. You know, you, you don't know what's going to be available to you even a week later. You know, and the other thing is with the expansion draft that people sometimes don't realize, you might take somebody in the expansion draft with all great intentions of him staying and being here, and the minute the, the expansion draft's finished, the phone goes and somebody goes, I'll give you two players for that one. And you're going, oh, that sounds interesting. But you had no intentions of doing it five minutes earlier. See, but, but that's the part of it that's difficult to let enough information out because it could scupper them type of deals that can happen straight away. And it's diff- it's it's the difficult part, but it's kind of the fun part from the from the outer perspective. When you get those calls, how often would you say you get a trade phone call? Um, well, it's, it's suddenly starting to heat up now because because you get to certain windows, right? Window, for clarity, yeah. there's there's only yeah. certain portions of the season where trades can be done. At certain point, the roster gets locked, um, locked in, and that's your team. Um, but let's say during during the the hot period, well, it. it it depends a lot on how teams are doing. You okay, know, you so if you're like, doing, yeah, we we made some changes because we weren't doing particularly well. We realized that we needed to have one or two pieces that can play week in week out in this team and have an effect on the group. As I said at the time, that was no diff, no, um, nothing against Mo Saeed and Josh Gatt, but we we needed what we felt was more prominent pieces within the group. That's why we made the trade. Now, I, we're suddenly starting to get phone calls now because the teams that are probably doing better than they thought they were going to do and want to add to the squad and keep that momentum going. And there are teams at the bottom who've realised that they've got to make some trades to try and get above that red line to get in the playoffs. So everybody's doing it for different reasons. you know. And it, it does change from week to week depending on how results are going and, and, and managers' positions. You know, there's a couple of managers changed hands in, in the last few weeks. And that will now, I, I imagine, spot one or two different opinions of players in their particular clubs that might interest other clubs. That's a good point, because obviously you're alluding to Dominic Kinnear at San Jose Earthquakes, who has been let go. Jeff Kassar, exactly. um, probably about six, seven weeks ago now, uh, was let go with Real Salt Lake. So it's But, but Mike Pecky now has just suddenly realized what he's got. He's had six or seven weeks with that group of players. He might now want to start make one or two moves. So that's how, we, how the wheels all suddenly start to move in the same direction. Well, your wheels move a little bit faster than mine because I hadn't thought of that. But that's a really good perspective. So stick around. 
if you're listening, because this is only going to get better and better. We're going to continue on with the preseason talk, kind of the state of union of the club. Part one, as I like to call it, with Adrian Heath here, because I think there's so much interesting stuff to dive into. Uh, we hope you're enjoying listening. 1500 AM here in the Twin Cities or online at 1500ESPN.com. More to come. The Adrian Heath Show. Uh, he's Adrian Heath. I'm Jamie Watson. Stick around. We now continue with more of the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. Presented by Heineken. Heineken. Adrian Heath, welcome back. The last segment of the inaugural episode of the Adrian Heath Show. And I'm scared because you're already licking your chops, ready to pounce on this one. Yeah. Go on, give the people for two points. What was the bumper music bringing us back in there? No, I want you to give it me because you don't know it is. It's your show. You've got to do that. That's Peter Gabriel. Of course, that's, I was just about to say Peter Gabriel and go in and tell him what the name of the song was. I was Sledgehammer, wasn't it? Sam Sledgehammer, that's right. Look yeah. at that for two points. Yeah. Peter Gabriel used to be in which band? Uh, the Peter Gabriel band. No, oh, there you go. <laughs> right. Let's move on. It says it all. Uh, if you're just now joining us, I am joined with Adrian Heath for the Adrian Heath Show, head coach Minnesota United. I am Jamie Watson, sideline reporter for Minnesota United. That means I'm within an earshot at all times of Adrian here through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're bringing that to you every Tuesday night for the rest of the season here on 1500 ESPN. If you're just joining us, last segment, we were talking about the State of the Union of Minnesota United and really just kind of scratching the surface, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, about the beginnings of Minnesota United in MLS, your tenure here. Mm-hmm. We had gone through the expansion draft. We were picking back up at the draft. And as I said in the previous segment, this is not something that we want to just breeze through. So this is going to have to be something that we will continue on next week as well, because we're just now getting through about mid-January mm-hmm. for the 2017 Super Draft. Uh-huh. Minnesota United has the first pick. You see the combine about a week earlier in Los Angeles. As a head coach, how much stock do you take in the combine when you see players, as opposed to the scouting maybe that you have done in your time leading up to the combine when you see them in person, and then the super draft day when you make your decision, because ultimately you're first, so you know what you're going to do at any point. And when do you, when do you know you make that first yeah. choice? I think the first thing that you look at, you've, you've obviously seen all the, maybe the generation Adidas, the guys that are supposedly the five or six best players. Roster-protected guys. Yeah. There's perks to that. Guys who've left college early, essentially. And, and they get basically paid by the generation Adidas. So you don't count against the salary they cap. They don't count against the salary cap. And they predominantly, they, they think they've picked the five or six best players. So obviously that takes you, you, you start looking at that straight away because it, not only are they the best players, supposedly, then they, they're, they're not going to go on the cap, which is important in terms of extending the cap and making that go further. So obviously you, you look at them and Abu was certainly, I think Abu got offered a generation Adidas contract the year before and decided to have another year at UCLA. So we'd seen him the year before when we were in Orlando. So I'd seen, I'd seen plenty of him. I'd never met him. I did one or two contra, uh, contra, contradictory um, opinions about him. Some people thought he was a bit flash and some people didn't think he loved it enough. People did but the one thing was we interviewed oh, probably about 15, 20 players. And I loved it when I interviewed him. Everything he said, 
it resonated with me and I, I loved his story from Ghana, what he was trying to do for his family. And um, he, he convinced me to take him with the first pick because of his interview. Wow. So yeah. that really, you put that much stock into the interview. Well, I, I, I didn't. I if didn't, all things are equal, the yeah, interview process. Exactly. I didn't think that he's, he, we always knew his ability, he, he had ability. As yeah. he's showing now, he's yeah, got, he's, what, three goals on the year, a couple game to, winners. Exactly. And he's starting now to look like a professional and starting to understand that he's not at UCLA in the, the golden boy at UCLA and he's going to have to work hard every single day to make a career. But, you know, he's certainly getting there. But, um, it's interesting. We 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 interviewed an English kid from the uh, from the combine, and he we, we nobody says anything while we do. We just interview the kid, and he blew everybody away. He nearly convinced us to take him with the first pick. Is that right? Was that uh, was that Jonathan Lewis? No. Who was the English kid? I'm not telling you. You can't tell us. No. He he got drafted though. They got drafted okay. to a team in our conference. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But anyway. So he so so that that's it's that important for a coach. Well, I think certain kids can impress you so much with their whether it be their determination with the the things that they talk about and what they want in the future and how they're going to go and try and be about being a professional. Right. So that was one, and then obviously we took Thomas Divalardi, which was a little bit under the radar from a lot of people. But but he was off to a great start in preseason. Oh, fantastic! And I, I feel so sorry for the kid because he couldn't have come in and done any more. You know, the the week he got injured, we were going to play him. We were going away to, I think it was New England Revolution, and yeah. we were going to play him on the Saturday, and he got injured at his Achilles on the at, at the, Bielenberg. Yeah. We were we were there. We were watching, um, and you could tell instantly it was a uh, yeah, it was a bad one. Yeah, but he's he's you know hopefully starts running tomorrow, so he's on his way back. Fantastic. And, and Tommy had had a great start, I have to say. Good, and then obviously you picked up Alec Farrell, maybe one for the future, a kid who had an injury, yep. and he's uh, obviously you've still got his rights, so that's somebody that as he progresses on, still a young yeah. boy in goalkeeper terms. So yeah, he is, and he's he's had, he's had a chronic knee injury, so we, we're, we're hopeful that over a period of time, you never know, we'll see what happens with him. And, and Tanner Thompson. Thompson came in and who's doing really well now at Indy, so it didn't really work out for him in the beginning here, but hey, as I said to all the players who, who leave me, and you'll know because you've done it in the past, I hope everybody comes back and proves me wrong that I've made a bad decision because ultimately you can't get them all right and we want everybody to do well. Well, you fired me once. You tried to take this job to fire me twice. Yeah, but you beat me to it. I, I quit and retired <laughs> before you could, so that's how I ended up. That's how we're here today. So, uh, look, that is that is what I think people love hearing from you. If you're just joining us, Adrian Heath, head coach of Minnesota United, he is sharing all of the uh, ins and outs of the first part of his tenure as Minnesota United coach and stick around for next week as we pick that back up. But I've got one fun segment finally before we leave. Okay. Um, I think this is going to be a fixture. My good friend Callum Williams, play-by-play call. Uh, He's on the call every week for Minnesota United. He's got some tremendous goal calls. So we've got about two minutes left in the show. Okay. I'm going to play you his three goal calls from the Portland Timbers match on Wednesday, and I want you to give us a grade on his goal calls. Okay. So. One one out of ten or? One out of ten. Okay. Let's get specific here. Don't give us a flat six. Give Give us a high six, low six. If it's an eight. You know, give us a give us a high eight, low eight, whatever you think. But here's the first goal, seventh minute. I Sam Cronin plays the ball across. Amobi Akugo turns it in to an own goal. Face of Molino. Cronin. Leicester cross going in. It's the perfect start for Minnesota United. The SOS coming in the form of Sam Cronin. 
the SOS coming in the form mm-hmm. of Sam Cronin. I didn't know we were that desperate at the time, but go on. <laughs> give us give us your thoughts. One to ten. Calum's no. first goal. First goal call from the Portland Timbers game. No, I'm gonna give you the marks after. Because I, I I don't want to start the bar too high by giving that a number that I can't go back on. You're too smart. I wanted you to go and I could try to trip you up, but obviously no. that's not happened. Let's okay. Go. So let's fast forward. The game gets tied one to one. Right before it goes to halftime 1-1, in the 47th minute, Christian Ramirez scores a goal. Here's the call. Interrogating the Timbers' back line. Lovely ball in. Ramirez, it's in! It's that boy again! It's always him! The boy has come to play! It's that boy again. Mm, it's, it's always, always him. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. You got a score written down over there? No, I'm, I'm, I've got it in my head. I okay. Can, All right. That's Keep, only two. I'm that's pretty... only two. The third goal, Abu Dunladi with the goal in the 64th minute. Angled ball in. It was flipped out. It's Dunladi! A huge goalkeeping error from Jeff Atinella. And Portland's embarrassment is Minnesota's elation. Well, there you go. There's the thir- there's the three goal calls from Cal. Quickly, we've got less than a minute left. What do you give the first goal, the own goal from Obi Akugo, the Cal Williams call, Ray Cal's call? I'm gonna give it a, a five and a half. A five and a half. I'm, I'm, I hold him I hold him accountable. You pretty, sir, the ball are, is pretty high. Are bold. You have to see Callum tomorrow, yeah, and you're going to have to explain to him that that was only five and a half. Okay, the second one, a great pass in from Kevin Molino, splits the defense. Christian Ramirez scores seven. You give that one a seven. Yeah, I, I like the, all the words after. It's always him. It's that boy again. It's that boy again. I, yeah, it's like always that. him. Yeah, it's always him. Yeah. A flat seven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's boring because I told you not to do that, but yeah, you did yeah. it anyways. Okay. Sixty fourth minute. Number one draft pick. Abu Dunladi scores. Huge goalkeeping error from the man you traded away. So yeah. it makes you look like a genius backhandedly there. Great decision. Great decision. Yeah, I'm so got Miggy for him. Does that play does that play into no, the No, it's that's getting a six and a half. A six and a half. So yeah. we got a five and a half, a seven, and a six and a half. Yeah. That's Adrian Heath rating Cal's calls. Stick around every week because that's gonna be a reoccurring theme. And this show is gonna be a reoccurring theme every Tuesday night, six to seven PM here on the Twin Cities. I am Jamie Watson. That's Adrian Heath. Thank you very much for joining us. Be back next week for another edition of the Adrian Heath Show. Hosted by Jamie Watson. Presented by Heineken. For Minnesota United game and broadcast information, be sure to visit 1500ESPN.com and click on the United tab in the Sportswire.